Hey, my name is Jarrett Stevens, and I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City Church. And whether you are actually in our gathering right now or you're watching online or listening to our podcast, I am so glad that you've carved out this time to grow in your relationship with God. We're actually kicking off a brand new teaching series this weekend called Present Tense. We're looking at how our lives in this present moment can at times feel so overwhelming and out of control and stressful and anxious and how God actually wants to bring his presence into your present moment. So I'm so glad you're here for the kickoff of this series. I'm actually at the Escape Game in downtown Chicago. Uh, This is an amazing place. I don't know if you've ever done an escape room before. It is so much fun. Uh, Actually, the folks that run the Escape Game here in downtown Chicago, they actually go to our church. So they very generously let us come and shoot this video here because I just love the idea of what's behind me here. A couple weeks ago, our staff actually went through together a couple different ones of the rooms here at the escape game, and it was awesome. I mean, some of us are better at these types of things than others, and some teams finished sooner than others. I'm not going to name names. I'm just going to say our team actually had a blast doing this together. And as we're kicking off this series, present tense, I, I just thought, what a perfect setting for us. Because sometimes this is exactly how life feels. Like you're thrown into circumstances and situations that can feel unfamiliar, foreign, kind of beyond your control. The stakes are really high. The clock of your life is ticking and you have to figure it all out. You have to figure it out. Every now and then maybe like a clue pops into your life, right? And you figure this part out, you figure that part out of your life. But you know what happens. As soon as you do, there are new challenges, new obstacles, new realities that people are counting on you to figure out and get right. The whole thing can feel so stressful at times. And it doesn't help when you try and escape from this present moment by going to social media, only to find that people on social media seem to actually have their lives all figured out. I mean, their lives look perfect, and yours doesn't always. Or maybe you try and escape this present moment by turning on the TV. And maybe you see on the news that it looks like things aren't getting better. It looks like they're only getting worse. I mean, it's like there's unending war, catastrophic famine, growing racial tensions, power seemingly unchecked and out of control. The Bears still haven't won a Super Bowl. All of it, all of it can feel so overwhelming. So is it any wonder that our culture is actually suffering from a stress epidemic, that more and more people are feeling more and more stressed and anxious than ever before. In fact, one study recently found that over the last 80 years, Americans have grown more stressed year over year. Things aren't getting better. It looks like, it feels like they're only getting worse. General anxiety disorder and really all other anxiety disorders affect 30% of adults in the United States. And it's currently the leading cause of mental illness in our country. In fact, one study actually found recently that the average high school student today, the average teenager today, feels the same level of anxiety as a psychiatric patient in the 1950s. Now, while some of us may face and feel stress and anxiety more than others, all of us, at some level, all of us have felt overwhelmed, 
under stress, fearful and hopeless in one way or another. Maybe for you it's at work, that's where it all kind of kicks in for you. Maybe for you it's at home, that feels like a place that's under stress all the time. Maybe for you it's a relationship that you're in. Whatever it is, all of us are familiar with that kind of gut tightening, sleep losing, escape wanting feeling of stress in our lives. And when you think about it, at its core, whatever level of, of stress that you may be feeling in any given moment, it's actually less about a feeling and it's more about a belief that you have. It's rooted in how you see things, how you perceive and interpret your circumstances. That's where your stress and anxiety actually comes from. Emotions can kind of ebb and flow, you know, they can come and they can go, but beliefs, those go much, much, much deeper. And they can affect my choices, they can affect my outlook, they can affect my actions, they can affect my relationships. My beliefs affect just about everything around me. They become the lens through which I see everything. Like, think about it for a moment. Here in this escape room, right? If I believe that all of this is real, if that's my belief that this is real and I only have one hour to solve the mystery and if I don't, all is lost. Well, of course, I'm going to feel stressed. I'm going to feel pressure because I believe that it's actually all real. But if I believe that this is actually just a game, which it is, contrary to the opinion of some folks on our team, well, then the stakes change. When I believe, oh, this is just a game, it's here for me to have fun. The stakes totally change. Do you see how our beliefs are really the source and the core of where our stress and our anxiety come from? All right, so here's what I want you to do. Grab a Bible and I want you to turn to James chapter one. James chapter one is on page 977 in the Soul City Bible. There should be actually a Bible. If you're at Soul City, right under your seat, there should be a Bible or the seat in front of you. Go ahead and grab that and turn to page 977. That's James chapter one. We're gonna look at how God invites us to see the world that surrounds us differently. Now, just some quick context on James and this book of the Bible. James is actually a brother of Jesus. How cool is that? What a unique perspective that James has. He's someone who, for as far as we know, actually didn't end up following Jesus until later in life. Now, you just have to think about that just for a second before we get to the text. What would it be like to be the brother of Jesus? He grew up with Jesus. He had to share a bathroom with Jesus, fought over the top bunk with Jesus, and didn't know that his brother was actually the savior of the world, who would actually ultimately become his savior. Our old pastor Andy Stanley puts it this way. He says, what would your sibling have to do to convince you that they were the savior of the world? I mean, they, like, think about your siblings. They would probably have to do a lot of convincing to convince you that they were the savior of the world. But either way, James becomes a follower of Jesus. And in his powerful and practical book of the Bible, he, start, he starts the whole thing out by looking at how we see things, looking at how we can shift our perspective around the world that surrounds us. So let's look at what he says actually in James chapter one, verse two. Look what he says, he says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face 
trials of many kinds. Now look at what James is asking us to do there. Consider it what? Consider it joy. Consider it actually not just joy, pure joy. When we face things that we would rather not face in life, when we come up against circumstances that we actually would rather circumvent in our life. I mean, let's just real pause. Like, let's be honest for a second. There are a lot of things in life that bring me joy, right? My family brings me joy. My kids, when they begin to belly laugh, brings me joy. Portillo's chocolate cake, I've told you this before. Portillo's chocolate cake brings me deep delight, great Joy, riding my motorcycle down Lakeshore Drive brings me joy. Our little puppy, Louie, actually cleaning my feet with his tongue at the end of the day brings me joy. Okay, that last one's a little gross, I'll admit it, but still, it brings me joy. Point is, a lot of things bring me joy. A lot of things bring you joy, but my hunch is losing your job isn't at the top of the list of things that bring you joy. Going through a breakup doesn't make it into your top 10 of things that bring you joy. Putting up with a difficult coworker doesn't make you suddenly break out in goosebumps of joy. It just doesn't work that way. James is either on something or onto something. So let's keep going to see what he actually says. James 1 verse 3 says this. He says, because, because, consider it joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. See what James is getting at here. You see it? You see kind of where he's going with all of this. What he's saying is that no matter what you may feel stressed about, no matter what you may believe about your circumstances, the perspective, the interpretation that you have of your circumstances, that there is actually more than you can see. There is more going on. That God actually has a blessing beyond all of your stressing. Let me say that again. What James is getting us to see is that God actually has a blessing beyond all of your stressing that's on the surface. God actually has something for you precisely at the moment when you want to give up. That's when he actually wants to grow you up. When you want to give up, God is saying, no, I want to use this to grow you up. That your circumstances actually serve as a curriculum for growing in perseverance, for teaching you how to keep going rather than throwing in the towel. You see, what's implied even in that word, perseverance, is that things are going to be challenging. That's what the word perseverance is all about. It's about the character and the will to keep going in the presence of challenging things. People are going to be challenging. There are going to be circumstances that you just simply would not choose for yourself. And God makes no promises that there won't be challenging things in your life. But he does promise you the gift of perseverance and You can't grow in perseverance if you don't go through hard things. The the two are just connected. You can't grow in perseverance without going through difficult and challenging things. Now, years ago, I had the opportunity of running the Chicago Marathon. I say opportunity. Basically, Jeannie signed me up to do it, and I had to do it. But I loved running the marathon. Let me say that again. 
<clears throat> I loved finishing the marathon. Because before I ran the Chicago Marathon, the only race I'd ever run and the furthest distance I'd ever run was a 5K. And if you would have told me at the end of that 5K that I then needed to run another 23 miles, I, I would have thrown my hot chocolate right in your face. I mean, the only reason I was able to persevere those 26.2 miles was because I persevered through 20 miles that came before it. And the only reason I could run 20 miles in my training is because I persevered through the 10 mile run that I had several weeks before. And the only reason I could run those 10 miles was because I persevered through the first three mile run and two mile run and one mile run. Perseverance isn't something you're just born with. It's something that you grow. And the only way that it's grown is through going through difficult and challenging things. Rather than stressing out, rather than giving up, it's actually all about moving forward one step, one day, one season at a time. That's how God grows perseverance in you. Martin Luther King Jr. captured the essence of perseverance when he said this. He said, if you can't fly, then run. And if you can't run, then walk. And if you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Whatever you do, you must persevere. Now, James closes out this kind of paradigm-shifting thought in verse 4, and that's where we're going to wrap up the text today. Look at verse 4. Look what he says. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Look at that language. So that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything, having all that you need to face whatever it is that life actually brings you. That is the promise of perseverance from God. That's a powerful promise. God has all that you will ever need to face whatever you have to face, but rather than just giving it to you, he wants to grow it in you. He wants to change the way you see your circumstances, what you believe about what surrounds you, the world around you. He wants to change the way that you see yourself. He doesn't want you to just give up. He wants you to grow up into what he created you to be, who he created you to be. See, perseverance is like the, the grit of transformation. It's the grit of transformational work. It's how you actually partner and participate with God in your spiritual growth. When life feels overwhelming, rather than getting stressed out, God invites you to lean in and see whatever it is that you're going through as a gift. Even though it's a gift that oftentimes comes wrapped in sandpaper, it's a gift nonetheless. And it has something to teach you. It has something to grow in you that simply just would not grow in any other soil. And when you see that, when you see your circumstances through that perspective, when you believe that, that God actually wants to grow something in you so that you wouldn't lack anything, it actually changes the way you look at 
everything. It allows you to, even in the face of your most difficult challenges and circumstances, it allows you to consider it all joy. That it's a gift. That even though you may want to escape and you may want to get out of, God actually wants to do a work in you and grow you. You know, of the many things that I love about my wife, Jeannie, one of the things that I most admire and respect and appreciate about her is how she handles difficult and challenging circumstances, how she faces them and walks through them and soaks every ounce of transformation out of them. And I'll never forget um, years ago when her dad passed away. This is her hero. This is someone I loved and looked up to and loved being with when her dad, Bill, passed away. It was obviously a tremendous loss. There was grief like I'd never seen or experienced before. Um, there were a lot of nights that just went to bed crying, um, missing him. And about a year into the grief work, doing grief classes and workshops and processing a lot of this with family and with counselors, about a year into that process, year after her dad had passed, I remember her saying that I would never choose this, but I wouldn't change any of it because of what God's formed in me. That's a powerful thing to say. I wouldn't have chosen this. I would have never chosen for my dad to pass away, for our kids to never be able to meet Grandpa Bill. I would never choose for her mom, Jeannie's mom, to go through and suffer what she has gone through for her brothers, her family, would never choose this. But for her to be able to say, I wouldn't change it because of what God has formed in me, what God has taught me about who he is as my perfect parent, about how to grieve well, about how to love people well who are still with us. All of the work that God did through that dark and difficult season formed her and formed me in a way that I don't know I would have experienced, she would have experienced, were it not for that unbelievably difficult and challenging circumstance. You see, the truth is about me, and my hunch is the truth about you, is that I want to use God to change my circumstances, right? I want to use God to change my difficult circumstances. But here's the truth about God. God wants to use my circumstances to change me. I want to use God. I want to call on God, call on every favor, call on every power to get God to change this circumstance. I mean, think about whatever it is that makes you feel stressed out, makes you feel overwhelmed. Isn't it true that you want God to just change it, to fix it, to make it go away? I want to use God to change my circumstances, but God wants to use my circumstances to change me. God doesn't promise ever to change my circumstances for me, but he does promise to change me. He does promise to transform whatever it is that has me stressed out or anxious into something that I actually welcome, that I actually accept rather than trying to escape. He wants to transform it into perseverance so that I am not lacking anything, so that I can handle whatever it is that comes my way because of what he's grown 
in me. So I wonder what is it for you? What are the circumstances that feel beyond your control, that feel overwhelming, that you feel under stress or anxious about? What would they be for you? Maybe for you it's work. Maybe just the second you show up there, you feel it. Your pulse kind of changes, you tighten up a little bit. You know, you find yourself just getting instantly irritated at those around you. Maybe for you there's a, a relationship. Maybe it's a parent or a sibling, or maybe even a spouse. It could be your child, where every time you talk with them or even think about them, you find yourself just kind of getting stressed and frustrated, and you don't know what to do, and you just think, man, this is, is this all that it's ever going to be? Gosh, I wish it wasn't like this. Maybe for you, it's uh, an area of physical suffering. Maybe there's something physically going on in your body right now. You injured something or you're suffering through a diagnosis or some sort of thing that's changed the way your body works. And all you want God to do is make it go away. All you want God to do is heal you, change this physical circumstance in your body. Maybe for you, as we talked about a little bit ago, it's a a lack of resources, and your resources can be anything. It can be time, it can be money, it can be space, it can be energy, it can be options. And so you just feel like there's a lack of any of that for you. And the more and more you kind of think about it, the more revved up, the more stressed out you get about it. I want you to think about whatever that situation may be for you. And I want to invite you to do a little bit of homework. If you'd be willing, I would love for you to just do a little bit of homework around this that I think God would use to change your whole perspective and to actually get you to see your circumstances the way that he does, that it's an opportunity for you to grow. It's actually a gift that God can use, even though you wouldn't choose, to grow in you, perseverance, to grow in you, to give in you all that you need to face whatever may come your way. Here's the homework. I want you to consider doing a gratitude inventory to begin to make a conscious effort of either verbalizing or writing down all the things that you are actually grateful for in this present moment. There was actually an article that appeared in the Washington Post recently, and it talked about a study that found that one of the most powerful healing and transforming tools that we actually have to help us with all of our fears and all of our stress and all of our anxiety is gratitude. As powerful as counselors and therapists and medication can be, there is something that all of us have access to, and it's called gratitude. And when we stop to actually appreciate, to name out loud to ourselves, or to others, but ultimately to God, what it is that we are grateful for in this present moment, it actually changes our perspective. It changes the way that you see your circumstances. It opens it all up to not only what is, but what actually could be. Gratitude is one of the most powerful gifts God's given you to face, to walk through, to grow in perseverance, through whatever circumstances you may be facing. So I wonder this week what it would look like for you to actually start a little gratitude list. Maybe what you wanna do is kinda just jot down in your phone, kinda keep a running little note, jot down in your phone the things that you're grateful for, or, or maybe to say them out loud to others, to just literally say, hey, you know what I'm really grateful for in this moment, or you know what I really 
appreciate in this moment, even if it may feel hard, overwhelming, you're stressed about it, but to just name whatever those are in your life and in your circumstances from big ones that you're grateful. It's like, I'm grateful to be alive. I'm grateful that I actually have breath. I'm grateful for this home to small ones. Like I'm grateful for this spring breeze. I'm grateful to see that flowers actually finally came back. I'm grateful that I live in a city like this. I'm grateful for a roommate, big or small, whatever it is. What if when you prayed this week, rather than asking God to change it all, you began to thank God for it all? To Just thank God for it. Thank him for your circumstances. And ask him, rather than to change your circumstances, ask him to do through these circumstances what might not otherwise happen in your life, to grow things in you like perseverance, like character, like humility, like a greater awareness of your dependence on God, to see it all as a gift, to grow you into who God created you to be. So that's the homework for this week, to start an appreciation list with God, to say them out loud to others, to write them down for yourself. I would love for you to experiment in that this week. And to get us started, what I'd love to do is I'd actually love to ask you to stand right now. If you're in our uh, gathering right now, go ahead and stand. If you're driving right now and listening to the podcast, don't stand. Uh, you can just kind of listen on. But if you're actually at Soul City Church right now, stand up and I actually want to pray for us. And we take a posture of prayer, as you know, around Soul City where we open our hands up to God. And so I'd ask if you would be willing to just open your hands up. And this time, it's to both thank God and to receive from God for whatever it is he has for you through the circumstances that you may be facing. So will you join me as we pray together right now with hands open, hearts open, eyes actually open to the circumstances that surround us. And will you join me in prayer together right now? God, we thank you for our circumstances. God, we know that they're not what we would have chosen. We know, God, that we would write the script differently. And God, we know that you actually promise us you work all things together for good to those that love you, who surrender to your will and to your way. God, that's what you do. We know that every, as James tells us, every good and perfect gift comes from you. And so God, would you help us to see even our most challenging and trying and overwhelming and stressful circumstances as a gift from you. God, we need your help if we're ever going to shift and change our perspective, if we're ever going to see things the way that you do and believe, God, that you actually want to work something good, even out of bad or challenging or difficult circumstances. God, thank you for the gift you give us of perseverance, that you don't just give it to us, you grow it in us. And so God, I know my heart is heavy for every person. It was all they could do to even just get here today. All they could even do to just walk through these doors. They feel so beat up and beat down and overwhelmed. And God, I pray that your spirit would encourage them right now in this moment. I pray, God, that even in this moment, this present moment, they would feel a lightness. They would feel the warmth of your presence, God. And that they would know that whatever it is they are walking through, they can walk through it with you. So God, I pray for encouragement. I pray for hope. And God, I pray for joy, 
joy that only you can give that comes as we walk through this life, all of this life, with you. It's because of you and who you are and what your Son has done for us that we pray. Amen.